Hello, and welcome to the Television Spotlight on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John May. In this episode, we'll be having a spoiler-filled discussion about a television show that we think you'll enjoy. In this episode, I am joined by my sister Kate, and we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on the first half of the second season of Resident Alien. Now, this is based on a comic book by Dark Horse that was a series of miniseries. I think they've done six or seven of these miniseries. And when I say it is based on, loosely based. The concept. The concept is, is yeah, it's an alien stuck on Earth posing as a, a doctor in a remote area. But the tone and the style is so radically different. Well, it's it's interesting when you go back to the source material and kind of do that comparison. I mean, I always remember the story of when the rights were bought for the book Cool Hand Luke. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that? I knew the story at one point. I don't remember it at the moment. Well, the author was so excited. I mean, somebody bought the rights to my book. No, it turned out they liked the title. Ah, yeah. And that was the only thing from the book that made it to the movie. Well, I had read a little on the Wikipedia page, not the Wikipedia page, the IMDb page for this. Because I was wondering, how do you take something that is a standard kind of mystery sort of thing? And granted, it's got a sci-fi element, but the fact that Harry is an alien in the book... I mean, you always see him as the alien there. He's always drawn that way, never as a human. But other than the little, you know, smart alien on Earth, oh, how quaint, kind of, it, it's not really that big of a deal. Yeah. Okay, whereas here, the entire, every moment of the show is centered around the comedic and absurd aspects of it. And that is something that Alan Tudyk brought to it. And they're like, yeah, let's go that way, I guess. And... There are a lot of things where if you like the adaptation, you'll like the original. If you like the original, you'll like the adaptation. I don't think that necessarily holds true here. Mm. That's not to say you, if you like one, you'll hate the other. Yeah. But they started at the same conceptual point and went almost in, in polar opposite directions. And where we left off at the end of the first season, Harry was, was heading back home. Max, the, the young kid, had stowed away. And we find all the ramifications of this, mm-hmm. or many of them. I mean, we're only halfway through the season. It's 16 episodes. We're eight episodes in, so they drop it in, in chunks. And its its sense of humor is, I think, a little toned down from first season. Yes. But it's still a little more out there at times. Well, I was going to say, it's a very unique sense of humor, because it's not your standard sitcom sense of humor by any means. There are sitcom aspects to it. Like in the, the last episode we watched here, the dinner party, don't let anyone leave, or the, the baby alien will go eat everybody kind of a thing. Wackiness ensues, yes. sitcom style. So there's, there, there is aspects of that, but there's, that's not the defining aspect of the humor. I would agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised how much uh, Nathan Fillion was in these eight episodes, or his voice. His voice. His character. Uh, 42, so cleverly named. Mm-hmm. And 
What's funny is I think, according to the IMDb page, it's credited in the episodes as 49. Oh, that is funny. Which is not correct. Yeah, that is funny. Well, I mean, for sci-fi fans, I would think 42 is a uh, life, the meaning of everything. Mm. I think Douglas Adams, yeah, yeah. I think 42 would kind of resonate better. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't even caught that aspect. But yeah, it's certainly the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy reference. So, but I mean, when we get to the point where we're doing Alan Tudyk style CPR on an octopus. The whole death scene of the octopus was. I mean, well, let's start with how many episodes, if we had patiently watched the closing credits, would we have been watching for the no animals were injured in the making of this show? Certainly on that one, we would have. (laughs) Well, and then they do the montage of. Yes. I don't say the love story between them, but almost. The bromance. Yeah. It was it was funny. But it's a very unique sense of humor in terms of, I mean, that's not your classic sitcom sense of humor of the buddy comedy with an octopus. It's, it's wackier than that. That almost gets not into live action sitcom type stuff, but almost animated yeah. sorts of things for that. I mean, Alan Tudyk does a great job with the alien attempting a smile. Yes, the alien in a human body and it just doesn't quite work. Yeah. There are few people I could think of that could do that as well or better. One of my favorite episodes actually turned out to be when uh, the real Harry's daughter showed up unexpectedly. I thought that was pretty good. What I found interesting in that one is how Max and Shara Shara uh, were sidelined for most of that episode. Yeah. The only time we get to see them is in the play of the, the, the miners. Well, that and that's the episode where he kidnaps the dog because he offers the dog to the daughter as a gift. You're right. I'd forgotten about that. We did see more of them than there. I thought it was interesting, though, how they had to pretty much keep those kids away from Harry when Harry ha- his daughter was there lest those two groups intersect. Yes. Which I think would work. She was a good couple of years older or something, but still. But I think they were kind of afraid of the conversations that would happen. Yes. That was territory they didn't want to cover yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the whole subplot of Max knows Harry's an alien, Shard is too, and those two, I don't say plotting against Harry, but it cross-purposes at times. It's hilarious. Yeah, the lip-reading scene. Yes, when the deputy's trying to do the lip-reading, that there's also some other over-the-top parts that worked surprisingly well for me. Like when Max had stolen one of the spheres yes. of Harry's, that's the remains of his ship, and it causes Max to get a full beard overnight. Yes, yes. And I'm like, that was a convincing beard on that kid. Yeah. Well, and then he needs Shara to hide the evidence. So he gets this preteen girl to come over and shave his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the awkwardness and all of that was kind of funny. When the sphere gets stolen by the ex-government agent, that brings that whole plot line in. And they, they dealt with that a few times over this part of the season. Yeah. But so infrequently. Yeah. I mean, they were pacing this as if these were chapters in a book, uh, but when they're basically hour-long episodes, 
and you just touch on a thing, you know, a little in this episode, a little in that episode, and a little over here. And particularly, it'd been about a year since we'd seen the first season. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah, there was that guy. Where did we leave off with him? You know, where did we leave off with Harry's ex-wife that would have been the mother of this kid? You know, oh, yeah, the the this second or third or fourth doctor they had, whichever one, was taken by the government. You know, they didn't set the scene well enough. There were so many times I wished they had recapped what happened with the ex-wife when she came for, as I recall, the divorce papers to be signed. Yeah. For me, it was more than just that. Particularly at the beginning, they got us back to where they'd left off with, okay, Mm -hmm. he's in space and with Max and all that. And I could remember that. But then as we're getting back into town and it's, oh yeah, Darcy was a character. That's right. Yeah. And oh yeah, there was a mayor. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, he had a wife. They had, the, you know, and and there were one or two, and it took like another episode or two, I think, to even see Jay. Yeah. And I get they've got a lot of characters; they can't necessarily keep them all in play or whatnot. But then to be adding the mayor of this other town and this other town being a thing. Yeah. So our mayor has an arc this season potentially. I wondered if it was as much that as kind of a showing that whether he meant to or not. Harry's had an impact on the community and its reputation. And that's fair. That's fair. I think it was a little of both. A little to show what his impact had been, for good or bad, but also to give some of these other characters a chance to have their own storylines that are not necessarily directly in service to reacting to Harry. Mm -hmm. Well, there were times when they were doing stuff along those lines. Like you're saying, just give them a storyline separate of Harry, where I'm like, you're trying so hard to give them their own storyline on their own that I'm just sitting here watching it going, say what? Mm-hmm. I mean, the mayor and his wife, notably for me. You know, it's funny if if you were going to do that almost angle on this, because the premise of the comic is a bit more of solo character with supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Here they're trying to go with a true ensemble kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been hilarious to do this kind of a show where you know there is an alien amongst them. But what you realize, either at the end of the first season or whenever the right turning point is, is that lone member of the species is the human in town. Yeah. Everyone else is from a different race. When some of the things they've played off have felt as much like we're dealing with alien as an illegal alien or... The way we use the word alien in Mm -hmm. terms of immigration. Well, resident alien is, again, the terminology here. You know, so they're doing some interesting stuff in a variety of ways with the whole him just not understanding. Well, him not understanding the food combinations we do and things like that. It just kind of a run of the mill level. Considering people family when they're not. Yes. Those sorts of things. I mean, they, they're exploring a lot of interesting ground in this. Well, exploring just the difference between a home birth with a, surrounded by the family. Yeah. Versus a hospital birth where it's only the mother and the doctor. Well, we've got so many different family dynamics kind of going on here. Mm-hmm. We've got Max with the mayor and his wife, an actual nuclear family there. We've got Asta with... Jay, the daughter she gave up and is getting to know now, mm-hmm. and her and Asta's father figure, who's not 
actually her father. Yeah, Dan's like a stepfather, as stepfather, I recall. Stepfather, yeah. And then you've got Sheriff Mike and his dad. Mm-hmm. No real mention of what happened to Mike's mom. Mm-mm. And, which is surprising, because they've had time to at least bring it up. Yeah, and they might have in season one, and I've forgotten. Actually, I think they mentioned that when she died, his dad kind of fell apart. And that could be, yeah. I think it was one of the coffee uh, scenes at the, the diner. Yeah. But... Well, and we have Harry with the mayor's son, Max, where we had sort of the standoff. Yes, you saved me, you must care about me. Yeah. Well, the whole struggle... Harry is having of of what does it mean to be human? Mm-hmm. And literally a struggle. He does not want to be this. Yeah. And where they got at the end put a very interesting twist on all of that in terms of Goliath, the other alien, and where all that may be going. And introducing because there were a couple of times, particularly once we got to New York and stuff like that, we had Harry and where he's his agenda and stuff like that asta's let's save the human race kind of agenda mm-hmm. we'd already introduced last season the government trying to capture the aliens and such we had the what would you call uh terry quinn's character oh the alien like hunter or um because liv was referring to him it, it wasn't, were, were they hunters or groupies almost yeah and that's what i'm struggling with but, but, but yeah. that camp yeah and now we've introduced yet another group that seem to be aliens. Well, I was going to say we've actually introduced two more groups because we've introduced another group that seems to be aliens. And the corporation. And Yeah. That's where I, I, I'd lost track of that one. You're right. You're right. That one definitely got brought up. And we haven't really gotten a clean sense of why did they want the original town doctor killed and what was going on with he that. He and Harry went to some charity event, gave money, and... There were some medical records involved. So it's kind of a, what did they get involved with that either turned out to be something different than what they thought it was, or was part of some corrupt thing that they wished they hadn't been involved with. Something that Sam, the original town doctor, didn't want to be involved with. The original Harry seemed to be okay with it. Yeah, the well, as this Harry says, original Harry was kind of a bad man. Yes, that is true. Mm-hmm. The, well, and, well, and it's very interesting to see original Harry through this Harry's eyes. Mm-hmm. Alien Harry is coming to understand who original Harry was and think, you know, maybe maybe he's not the person I thought he was. Well, and this Harry has amnesia in that first episode. Yes. Which is kind of funny. Wakes up at one point thinking he's uh, Lenny Briscoe from Law and Order. Well, and it took the Octopus 42 to fix him. Yeah. So if Asta had chosen somewhere else for dinner that night, season could have gone in a whole nother direction. Yeah, she was trying to jar his memories, though. Yes. Took him to somewhere familiar. I mean, they're going in such a wildly different tone and style than the comic, but the trip to New York, or going to New York, necessarily these exact things, some of those things happen in the comic, too. Mm. So they're definitely, you know, the, the government hunting aliens and stuff like that was from the comic. They're definitely drawing inspiration from it, and I can see the the general similarities of the two, but also, again, just the wild differences. Well, there's a part of me that looks at what they're doing and says, okay, the mayor and his wife would not be having a baby 
if Harry hadn't found an egg that hatched. Oh, you think they're doing that as a parallel? Yes. Hadn't thought about it, but that makes sense. Because there are a few other things where, oh, the metaphor you just had somebody use, we're now cutting to a literal interpretation of. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I, I get the, the have the B plot parallel the A plot kind of writing style. Mm-hmm. But there are a few times where they, they've got some nuances and other times where they just skip the nuances entirely. When we saw the flashback to Mike's partner getting killed, mm-hmm. I really think they should have spent a little more time on that scene, frankly, at the writing stage. Mm. Because it almost came across as, oh, wait, this is who's going to die. Blam, he's already dead. And it it happens off screen. It doesn't really have quite the impact in the moment. We see the ramifications of it. But mm-hmm. it it didn't make me feel... I mean, really, what I would have done for that is later when we get Liv talking to Mike, we were best friends since we were 10 years old or whatever, had gone through the academy together, all this stuff. If we had actually seen, it would have been harder to do. That kind of, you know, cut back to however many years it'd go with a, a, a knocking on the door. Mike's dad coming. Can Mikey come out to play? Cut to the two. Cut to them a couple of years later. Cut to them at the academy. Cut to them. You know, and just, I mean, it would take, it would be a minute or two of screen time that would take a day or two probably to film. You know, people like to do the uh, the magic dissolves. It's, oh, wow, look what we just cut between. If they had done basically one of them walking up, getting their high school diploma, walking off, the next one coming up, and as they're grabbing the diploma, do the go in real close, come back out. Now it's the police academy. Instead well, of high school, and then the next one coming up and getting theirs. You, you Half a dozen different ways you could do it. If you'd done the dissolve of, okay, yeah. they're running to the park, and now they've aged in a dissolve, and they're continuing to run, and yeah. you know they're in high school or whatever, they're now you know in the academy. Yeah. yeah. There's some ways that you could have, in a very short period of time, and granted, it would have been effort and cost to do that, but you could have then shown a quick summary of, these two are like brothers for decades. Then get to, they pull out of the car, you go this way, I'll go this way, bam, and we'd feel it. I think the bigger problem was this was a COVID filming, and that would have been at least two actors per character. Yes. Even without the COVID aspect, which I agree would have made it much, much harder, the amount of time you would mm-hmm. have spent casting, shutting up, and shooting what would be short scenes yeah that's something you can do with a movie budget you can't really do on a weekly tv budget yeah you just don't have the time and and stuff with the flashback to how the partner died and kind of that sequence of scenes honestly it had equal emotional impact for the partner dying as for oh that's how he got cletus and why he's so bonded to the dog yeah but they didn't do a really good job setting cletus back up this season before then yeah that's what I was going to say. And then we weren't seeing much of Cletus this season before or after, which just made it kind of a, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm lost. I'm enjoying what they're doing, but the year gap between seasons broke the story momentum. And there are ways to tell the story a bit more accessibly that can make up for that that they didn't do. If I had unlimited time, I would rewatch the previous season before. 
this season. And I think it would have played better and it would have had great momentum, but I don't really, I, I can't really justify the time for that. Yeah. Because that would have been 10 episodes, even if you take out commercials, that's still eight-ish hours leading up to these eight episodes. Mm -hmm. Do we watch that? Do we then rewatch all of that when we get the next eight to fill out the second season? Yeah. You know, and you can't, as a storyteller, expect people to make that kind of commitment to rewatch to get back up to speed for something. I mean, I've done that for some, some, some things. I mean, we did that for Spider-Man Noah Helm. Yes. But that had been literally 20 years since I'd seen the first Spider-Man movie originally. Yeah. It's been a year f from seeing 10 episodes to watching eight more. I don't think it's unreasonable to expect them to do a little bit more previously on, a little bit more dialogue, and a little more accessibility in the storytelling to where I don't feel the need to do that, and I don't feel penalized for not having done that. Yeah. I mean, there's some shows that it can be quite a while before I, I watch it again, but it's easy to get back into that world. And when we were getting, what was the friend of Darcy's that dyed her hair the same oh, way? Oh, Judy. Judy, yeah. It's like, I think she was in the first season. Yeah, that's where I was. But, and that character didn't do a ton this season. It was there for a bit. I thought they were going with her, somewhere with her, and they didn't. Yeah. Now, granted. Halfway through the season. Yes, agreed. Now, I'll admit, pandemic, eight episodes, given ten for the first, I was kind of thinking this was going to be the end of the season. I'm sure grateful it's not. If it was, I would be much more critical and negative in my comments. Yeah. This was not where you end a season. It's not a bad place to for a mid-season hiatus. Yeah. Because they definitely had a turning point in the story. With a we need to know what comes next and cliffhangery kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Well, and Darcy, if you kind of look at her across the episodes, they've brought her to an interesting point. She realizes her life isn't what she wants it to be. Mm -hmm. That she's kind of gotten to a point she considers her life to be a hot mess. Various characters have told her how they see her. Yeah. And have given her different perspectives from which to see her own life. And now at the very end of the episode, she is literally at that turning point of, I can take my life in a different direction if my if I open my eyes up to what's yeah. in front of me. Yeah. She could become part of the inner circle mm -hmm. and probably should. Yeah. The one thing they did with her this season I just didn't understand was when she dyed her hair off screen and it's like one episode, it's one color, the next, it's like neon red. She had been doing all kinds of different colored highlights in season one. And had that back when we were at the baseball game or whatever early yeah. in the season. And I liked the, the blonde with, okay, it's green one week, purple the next. That I mean, she looked great with those. But then we go to the neon red and I'm like, this is just shockingly red and not neat. And she looks great with it. Whereas the highlights were. I, I, it was too unnaturally red mm -hmm. and there wasn't even a scene with judy where judy's like well why did you do that it's like well you were copying me kind of it would have been hilarious if even someone had said why did you do all of the hair for once instead of just highlights and why that color and it's can you picture judy even considering this yeah this was a step judy wouldn't take or something yeah but 
So there was they were building up to that sort of a moment, but then didn't do that. Yeah. So there are times where I wonder, were they not really building up to that? Did they not have the guts to go through with it? Did, Did it go it, onto the editing room floor? I was going to say, cutting room floor, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. So it's it's interesting to see where they're going. They've got a number of directors they seem to, to favor. Mm -hmm. So I think they've got a fairly tight crew in terms of who they have directing, writing, etc. And I think that gives them a certain uniformity of, of look and style, which is good. But I think it's also why there's a little bit almost of an insular nature in the storytelling. Oh, yeah. Because the director knows these things. Why wouldn't the audience? Or the writers know these things. Why wouldn't the audience? Yeah, there is that. So I'm enjoying the show probably more this season than first because there was aspects of the first where it was a little too much on the awkward humor. Yes. And there were a couple of things they did here which I thought were actually, you know, a bit funnier and such outside of that that awkward sense of humor. I was surprised how funny I found CPR on the octopus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was... Right on the edge of that awkward, I thought I wouldn't like it, humor, and then it was just funny. Well, and having Shara there just kind of pointing at first of, <laughs> yes. your dog's doing something, or my dog is doing something. <laughs> yes, yes. And then her just deadpan there as, as he's going through yes. the grief, the CPR and stuff. He's talking to the octopus in front of her. Yeah, well, and she knows he's an alien, but even then, she just does not know how to react. Uh-huh. Which, very much in character. Yeah. It was it was well done, yeah. She's a well-used character, mm -hmm. and probably one of the smarter characters on the show, I would think. Oh, definitely. I would love to know what conversations Alan Tudyk has had with the actors who play max shara and the daughter of original harry yes because he seems to be a very aware very thoughtful actor uh when he played a racist in a movie about i guess it's jackie robinson he went out before the cameras were rolling and kind of prepped the people who were in the bleachers mm -hmm. of i'm gonna come out here and very passionately say a bunch of things i disagree with and i don't believe but if we don't recreate these scenes, people won't remember it happened and yeah. how wrong it was. Well, and we've seen Alan Tudyk at conventions. Yes. And there's aspects of this character that very much play to his sense of humor. Definitely. Yeah. But he's also a very sharp individual. Yeah. Able to, I think, read the room pretty well. Yeah. Well, and that's part of why I think he, he talked with those various actors about kind of a, I would not say to you the things Alien Harry is going to say. Some of the vocabulary I use is not appropriate for you, but... Yes, yes. Yeah, well, and I think he's the kind of person, based on what we've seen at conventions and such, that would treat the younger actors with the respect they deserve. Yeah. Of, you know, you're going to have to do, I don't see some of the heavy lifting in the scene, but... Yeah. For it to play, this is how it's got to go or whatnot. And he's not going to steal the scene from them or necessarily let them steal it from him. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, I mean, when Alien Harry is calling the kids an idiot, that's one of those things I think Alan Tudyk would have talked with them about beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am curious how he gets along, really not only with them, but the other people on the show, too. Yeah. 
but certainly with the the kids and such. Well, one of the things I liked early in this part of the season was where Asta was pointing out, okay, if I'm the only one you care about, then we're going to make sure I'm the one in jeopardy. Yep. Well, and uh, Dan kind of pointing out he needs more friends. Yes. Which kind of, sort of, but not quite sets up the party there at the end of the first half of the season. Those are his quote-unquote friends. Yeah. So, I mean, I... I think the idea of how to save the world is is basically be nice to everybody because you know, don't know which one of them is going to try to destroy it. <laughs> Not a bad lesson, I guess. On the friends making part, yeah. on the trying to destroy it, definitely bad. Well, I like when the sheriff figures the party must be over because one of the couples had a huge fight, and that's the best entertainment of the night. Well, it's not the party must be over, but there's no that was the highlight of the evening. So why stick around for more? Yes. All downhill from here. I love the sheriff at times. Yes, the sheriff is a lot of fun. Uh, the deputy, they've got good characters, and some yeah. of them, those two in particular, are, at times, Sheriff Mike is outrageous. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, the deputy, not so much, but they're not so over the top that they're caricatures. Well, the deputy is so thoughtful, and so caring, and so nice, and yet when she tells... Asta, that she's well aware the daughter she gave away for adoption is starting to drive because she's a frequent customer and they've given yes. her six tickets. And I'm like, ooh, really? Is that what you tell them, birth mother? Well, that interplay there at the, the dinner thing, uh, the the party scene there. Oh. Then, because Jay's over there, oh, she's coming over, pretend like you're talking to me. I am talking to you. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. You know. Yes. They play it well. Yeah. And what's really impressive about that is I think a lot of the people on this show do not have a lengthy resume in acting. That's interesting. Well, there are a couple that do. Well, no, I was going to say in terms of IMDb. IMDb stuff, at least, yes. Because I'm wondering how many of them have done stage. I don't know. I don't have visibility into that. I wish there was a section on IMDb that would include that sort of a thing. But in terms of TV acting, some of them kind of thin resumes. You know, uh, one of the, I want to call it jokes, but maybe not quite, but about Bill Cosby was that the reason Felicia Rashad played his wife on more than one show Yes, is because she could, A, keep up with him when he went off script, but B, she could get him back on script. Yes. He could go do his thing and she could steer it back to where they needed to be. She was a, a good partner for him in that respect a good foil whatever yeah and if you think about it with a lot of classic shows i love lucy dick van dyke show perfect strangers i think is a good example of this you've got two people one of which is often just the straight man Mm -hmm. and the other is the one that just goes out into left field but they need to be able to play well off each other to where you can kind of let the crazy happen but also keep the story going yes and Asta's very much the one who's in that role of, yes, but there's still this crazed alien kid out there. We don't want them to eat everybody, mm-hmm. you know, and, and filling that kind of a role. Yeah. Well, uh, Bob Hope and uh, Bing Crosby mm-hmm. from the Road Movies. I was reading an article about them at one point, and it was saying that basically, you know, because this was the really old days of filmmaking. So it was between scenes, they were trying to find payphones mm-hmm. to call back to their agents and stuff like that. 
But the other thing they were doing between scenes was trying to come up with zingers that would crack the other one up. Yeah. Well, have fun with it. And again, that was what made Tim Conway and Harvey Corman on The Carol Burnett Show mm -hmm. so great. Well, is it's a combination of have fun with it and not quite competition or one-upmanship, but just... If you can't make the other guy in the scene laugh, why do you think the audience is going to laugh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there are times during Resident Alien where that kind of energy feels like it's coming out. Yeah. They seem to all be having a good time doing it. I don't think anyone's phoning it in. And to do this on such a, a unique concept, we've had aliens come to Earth type shows before, but with the comic, it was a murder mystery every miniseries, a whodunit. Here, it's more as a, is Harry going to do it again kind of a thing. Well, I was going to say, in some respects, we're still solving the same murder. Yeah, we're probably going to do that a few more times, I imagine. Mm -hmm. But they're having... It doesn't feel like they've invalidated anything they've done before when they reopen the case. And they're they're able to go in a different direction with it. Yeah. You know, there'd be a couple where it's like, man, you're going back to that, that one case again? And I'm not feeling that here. No. But it's it's not the MacGuffin of the show, but it, it almost is. Now, that having been said, I think what they need to do in the second half of the season, explain this evil corporation. Yes. How they were really behind Sam's death. How does that factor into this other alien group? What do the medical records that were hidden mean, or why do they yes. matter? Yes, what, what's up with the medical records? What was really the gestation or the, the genesis of all of this? And then get some level of resolution on the government subplot. Mm -hmm. Because right now I feel we've got so many plots just spiraling almost out of control Yeah, that we can bounce between one another. And by the time we get back to one of them, it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the ex-government agent we saw three times this part of the season. That sounds about right. Once to, oh, yeah, he's there. Another time to kind of move it forward ever so slightly. And then when he was meeting back up with the, the government agent. Yeah. So I think they could tighten things up a little bit. I don't know that a 16-episode season was a better move than two eight-episode seasons. I think if they'd done that, they would have had a little tighter stuff. Mm -hmm. Maybe wouldn't have gotten some of the fun scenes, like when the mayor and his wife go to the restaurant in the other town. Yeah. A few things like that. But again, it's it's... The, the plot lines are spreading versus kind of pulling together. Mm -hmm. But it's enjoyable. Like I said, I'm liking it better this half of the season than probably I did the first. I agree. So. Yeah. It's it's more to my taste in terms of the sense of humor this season. Yeah. Well, again, so much of the first was just Alan Tudyk kind of chewing the scenery of he's alien. Yeah. How wacky would that be? I've gotten to where I really enjoy the scenes in the diner. Mm-hmm. They make good use of the diner. There have been a couple of good scenes at the sheriff slash mayor's office. I think they've they've upped their game on the writing, I think, this season. I think they found their well, tone, style, whatever. Yeah, but to the point on the writing, when you can do what amounts to a throwaway subplot in one episode on the pay gap between men and women. Mm, I kind of want that to come back up and get some sense of resolution. If that's all they do with it and nothing comes of it, that would be disappointing. 
when the mayor said he was going to take it to the town council and we did get some payoff from when we broke into the mayor's office because Asta remembered the drawing that Liv had done. Yeah. They they benefited from the scene. Yes. But if at the end of the season, Liv's still getting paid as little as she's getting. I don't think they're going to think to mention it again. I think they're going to think we assume it got resolved off screen. Yeah, probably. But then again, I'm wondering, is the dog ever going to get back to its owner? We've gone two, three episodes now. Was the dog still there at the party or did Shara take it back before they went to New York when the octopus died? Presumably she took it at that point. It's unclear. Yeah. It happened off panel, off screen. Yeah. Inquiring minds want to know. (laughs) So looking forward to the second half of the season. When that drops, we'll pick up with that. Anything else? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.